This is the Larry Mueller Show. I'm Jill Nadell. Thanks for spending some of your day with us. We're talking about straw bale gardening today on Garden Talk. Our guest is Joel Karsten. He is the father of the straw bale gardening method and has written a number of best-selling books on the topic. What are your questions about straw bale gardens? Have straw bales changed the way that you grow vegetables? Join the conversation by calling 800-642-1234 or you can send us an email and that's ideas at WPR.org. Hi, Joel. Well, hi. It's great to be with you again. Well, thank you for stopping by once again. I don't think we ever end talking about straw bale gardening here on <laughs> Garden Talk. <laughs> so you've been with us all for quite a few years now. Um, when did you first uh, discover this whole straw bale gardening technique? You know, this Spring will be my 33rd year. Oh my gosh! In strawberry, can you believe it? <laughs> I can't. I'm sure. Why? When I started, I had no gray hair. Well, now I have lots of gray hair. Well, 33 so years will do fly. that. <laughs> yeah, I was just a new college graduate. I had just got out, gotten out of college and bought my first house. And I discovered after I bought my property, of course, being a horticulturalist from the University of Minnesota, the first thing I did was grab my shovel. And <laughs> I found out that my yard had about one inch of topsoil oh. on top of this construction fill underneath. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point, I knew, you know, the, what most people would do is build raised beds. Sure. But I had just I'd just gotten out of college and I just <laughs> bought a house. I didn't have $2, not to mention $200 to build raised beds. So. I thought to myself, you know, growing up on the farm, we used to have these bales that would lay by the barn and great big weeds. The second year they'd lay there, big weeds would grow out of them. Why couldn't I just grow tomatoes and peppers, you know, out of this decomposing bale? So that was my first thought after I, you know, sort of mother the necessity of invention, (laughs) right? right? (laughs) And, And so I got some bales and I started some experiments and... I'll be darned if it didn't work really well. Um, you know, I had to figure out kind of how to support the, pa- the plants above the bales. Sure. But once I figured that out and then a good um, process for getting the bales to decompose quickly inside and mm-hmm. become compost, that's kind of sometimes that's what people miss is we're not really planting in a bale. We're planting in a decomposed bale inside right. the bale um, that's turned into compost. And once I figured out the process, I kind of refined it over a few years. And then for 14 years, I did it myself, and nobody really cared, you know, a few <laughs> friends and neighbors and, and a few colleagues, whatever. And then a news guy from the local NBC affiliate met my dad on vacation one year. My dad starts telling him about this great garden, and the guy happened to be a gardener as well. He came over, and he filled my garden, and he put it on TV on a Thursday night, Care 11 Extra here in the Twin Cities. And it just blew up. I started getting calls from garden clubs and community <laughs> ed from the school. So now I'm teaching classes. And then along comes this thing called social media. Mm-hmm. And some young gal called me and said, oh, you got to put a page on this new website. It's brand new. It's called the Facebook. <laughs> and I said, well, I've never heard of it, but if you say I should. So we did that, and it just blew up all over the world. I mean, then Instagram comes along and, of course, Twitter and whatever, and now I have fans in 60 countries. We've, we know of Strawville Gardeners projects in six, more than 60 countries. And my books have been translated into 25 languages. And it's just become a thing. I mean, who knew a little farm kid from southwest Minnesota? You know, I grew up on a crop and dairy farm. Mm-hmm. Thought I would go back to the farm eventually someday. <laughs> and uh, we have a tree nursery down there as well. So 
and then and it turns out that you know I, I ended up never never doing any of that so isn't that amazing it just yeah. never know so it's, it's really become a thing and it's you know it's helped so many people people who especially I, I call them my seasoned gardeners, my seniors. You know, as you get older, it gets more and more difficult physically. I even feel it. And I'm only mid-50s at this point, and I can feel it. You know, getting down on the ground is the hard part. My grandma Josephine used to say, getting down, that's easy. Getting up is where I struggle. And, and so planting in bales makes it real easy. You know, I don't have to bend over all the way to the ground. It's, there's no soil modifications you can sell your rototiller and your shovel and your hoe and your rake you don't need any of that stuff mm-hmm. Just, once you get the bales in position you're basically you're ready to go and there's not a lot of physical work to this method of gardening so for those who are listening and saying yeah okay fine this sounds great but what exactly are you doing here why don't you talk about the very very basics of straw bale sure. gardening well first of all the the name straw bale gardening is a little bit of a misnomer because we can actually use anything. It doesn't have to be straw. It could mm-hmm. be a hay bale. It could be a bale that you made yourself out of grass clippings and leaves compacted into a, one of those big Rubbermaid square bins, you know, mm-hmm. pack it in there really good. And then you put some water in there overnight and you dump this cube of grass and, and leaves out and you wrap some chicken wire around it and that's your bale. You know, you can plant in that as well. So it doesn't have to be a straw bale. For most of us here in Wisconsin and Minnesota, you know, we got 20 bucks in our back pocket. That'll buy us four bales of straw yeah. um, from a local farmer. So it's, that's kind of the easy way out. But if you're in some place where you can't get a hold of straw bales or you can't afford a straw bale, this is easy to make your own bale as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so once we get the bale, we need to we need to accelerate the decomposition process. You could leave it sit there for a year and the bacteria inside that bale would absorb nitrogen from the soil below and actually from the air. And when it rains, there's some nitrogen in the rain. And it would use that nitrogen in order to colonize, in order to reproduce. Bacteria would reproduce inside the bale and colonize the bale. Now, here's the interesting thing, Joe. When a bacteria reproduces, it doesn't lay eggs or have babies. It splits in half. That's how they reproduce, by division. Mm-hmm. So when it has a source of nitrogen... Um, we could add that source, or when it gets it naturally, it uses that in order to start to grow. And it needs a little moisture as well. So when the bale gets rained on, that accelerates the process as well. And that bacteria starts to grow, and then it divides in half. And then 15 minutes later, each of those halves divide in half. And 15 minutes later, the same thing. Now, over a short period of time, even one day, we can have literally hundreds of billions of bacteria inside this bale And every time they're dividing in half, they're creating friction. They're rubbing together. Right before they split in half, they start to vibrate and they rub. And that vibration causes heat to be dissipated out of the bale. So you can tell this decomposition process is happening inside this bale by just putting your hand inside the bale or if you have a compost thermometer, put it in there. And you'll see the temperature goes way up inside the bale. And that'll happen for about a week and a half, two weeks. Then the bales will cool down then we're ready to plant. So we call that the conditioning period. So you have to do this conditioning before you plant into the bale. If you just try to plant in a raw bale of straw without doing this conditioning process, these bacteria that are in that bale will eat the roots of whatever your transplant is or the little potting mix that came with your transplant. 
or the seeds themselves, if you put those in the bale, they'll eat those as a source of nitrogen <laughs> because they're trying to colonize the bale. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important that people go through this conditioning process, add some nitrogen. You can do this organically using an organic source like blood meal works really well. If people are vegan, they don't want to use blood meal. They can use um, a soy product or an alfalfa meal will work because it has a lot of nitrogen in it. Um, or if you're just a traditional gardener, you could use lawn fertilizer. We actually make a product now called Bale Buster uh, that we sell that's made just for this purpose. And then you put that on, you put some water, you wait two weeks, and as soon as the bale temperature drops, now you can plant. Okay. That's the basics of how the process works. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't feel the heat coming, <laughs> so I have to admit, well, okay, there, full confession there, here, Joel, full confession. I tried this and I put my, I put chicken manure in it. All right. Okay. And nothing happened. What did I do wrong? Okay. Well, here's the thing. Your chicken manure that you used, was it scraped out of like, you have a chicken? No, Is actually it came in a from? bag. <laughs> okay. Like chickadee doo doo or one of those. Something products. like that. Yeah. Well, you have to have something that has enough nitrogen in it in order to power that bacteria, to power that process. When people ask me about using animal manures to to condition the bales, I never recommend that they use them because you can't get enough volume of nitrogen. Now, if you compare chicken manure, which maybe 4%, you know, typically if there's bedding material with it, it'll be less than that, 4% nitrogen. Compare that with blood meal, which is 15%. Mm, okay. So, you know, you need a lot more of the manure. And then you can't get it down in the bale. Bales are tight, so it's mm-hmm. hard to get it washed down in there. So I would just recommend trying some blood meal. If you want to stay organic, um, try some blood meal or bale buster. We make an organic form of bale buster as well. It has blood meal as the active ingredient. And then it also has some additional fungi um, called trichoderma and some bacteria called Bacillus subtilis already in the product. And that also helps accelerate the decomposition process. So, yeah, your bales need to go need to go through that heat process. Now, sometimes you won't necessarily feel a lot of heat inside the bale. You know, you put your hand on in there, it only feels like it's, you know, maybe a little bit lukewarm on your hand. But you got to remember, you're 98.6 degrees. You should be. So if it feels warm on your hand at all, it's hotter than 98.6. Mm-hmm. And then when it cools down, it'll feel cool to the touch, but it could still be 80 five degrees or 80 degrees inside that bale when the temperature outside is still 50 degrees. Imagine like middle of May, if we start the conditioning at the beginning of May, by the middle of May or the second week in May, that bale could be heated up to 130, 140 degrees and then cooled down and it might be 80 degrees. If you check the soil right next to the bale, the soil is still 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. where that bale is 80 degrees. Now imagine the difference that makes for the root of a tomato plant that, that feels that 80 degrees inside the bale instead of 50 degrees in the soil. The tomato thinks, oh, man, it's already the end of June or the beginning of July. I'm going to grow like crazy. So it puts on roots very rapidly. You'll get early vine production. You'll set flowers earlier on the tomatoes, and you will be the first one in your neighborhood with a ripe tomato, which, of course, means you've won. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you've won for sure. Um, so we've got our bale conditioned, and how long do we keep that conditioning on there? 
Well, it, it just, you start it, it goes, there's a period of 12 days mm-hmm. for the conditioning. If you're doing it organically, we always recommend you wait till 18 days. Okay. It takes a little longer for the organic to work. Um, it has to, the bacteria first has to break down the source of nitrogen and then it can use it to colonize. Um, and then after that period of time, check the temperature, make sure it's not too hot. And at that point, you're ready to plant. So to plant, you can either use seeds. If you're using really tiny seeds, you're putting something like carrots in the bale. Um, you can do that, but you need to make a seed bed on top of the bales. And we, are, we never recommend that you take your shovel and put soil up there. Because if you put soil on top, you just brought weed seeds in. Sure. One of the biggest advantages of straw bale gardening is we eliminate weeding. Mm-hmm. So we don't want a source of seeds. The other thing, we don't want any pathogens. You know, if you've got soil-borne diseases, like tomato blight is a good example. That'll The leaves fall off with spores on them, and they harbor in the soil over winter, and then they get splashed onto your new tomato next year. So we don't want to add any soil. We want to add sterile planting mix, like planting media. That's soilless media that you buy at the, at the garden center. Put a thin layer on top of the bale. Put your carrot seeds in that. If you're doing big seeds, peas and beans, those you can shove right in the bale. Mm-hmm. Just put them, you know, two knuckles deep in the bale. And if you're planting transplants, that's really easy. Just squish a hole down in the bale. You'll see the inside gets a little bit soft. And stick the roots of your tomato or your, you know, your transplanted squash or whatever down in the bale. And put a little bit of potting mix around it to heal it in. And then stand back because it's going to take off out of the bale. <laughs> and I don't want it to hit you in the chin as it comes out of the bale. So they, they grow really fast. Okay. Uh, we're talking with Joel Karsten. He is the founder of Straw Bale Gardening and the author of a number of books on the topic. Why don't you join in with your questions or comments? Our number, 800-642-1234. Or you can send an email to ideas at wpr.org. Our on-air producer today is Clara Nypert, and Tyler Ditter is our technical director. This is Garden Talk on The Larry Mueller Show. I'm Jill Nadeau. Join us every Friday or listen again on Saturday mornings at 6 o'clock. Or you can go online and listen to our archive at any time. Coming up next week, Mark Dwyer will be back to talk about selecting foliage plants for your garden. But right now, let's go back to straw bale gardening with Joel Karsten. Um, so, Joel, you got us to the point where we're putting plants in our straw bale. Um, what happens now during the rest of the season? What do we need to do? for success? Well, I really suggest that people use an, either a soaker hose. A lot of times if you're new to straw bale gardening, <clears throat> it's a very approachable and inexpensive way to get started just by a soaker hose. So you're going to run a soaker hose right down the middle of the bales. And that does a pretty good job. But once you've done it for a year, you're convinced, hey, this is the way I want to garden from now on, I would recommend a drip system. And that's because you can control the emitters so that if you run that drip system for five minutes, your tomatoes are getting a higher flow of water and your potatoes are getting a, just a slow drip. So you can adjust the emitters a little bit and then make it automated. You can put these little hose end timers for, you know, $20. You can buy these timers and it'll turn on at, you know, four o'clock in the morning before anybody in your household is up and in the shower. <laughs> and it'll give your, your plants a nice little drink. Um, and it, if you get to the heat of summer and those tomatoes, you know, they're eight feet tall and they've got 100 tomatoes developing up there, you might need to water that bale again at noon or at 2 o'clock. Um, just avoid watering late in the day. That's what I always tell people is, you know, if you water after 5 o'clock, even in the summer when it gets dark late, much later in the day, if you water after 5, sometimes the leaves aren't dry before the sun sets. 
and then they're going to be wet all night long. And wet leaves spread disease, Jill. That's a <laughs> saying everybody should remember. Wet leaves spread disease. So you want to keep the leaves as dry as possible, which is why the drip system is so effective. And, you know, try to keep anything from spritzing up and, and keeping the bale surface wet because that's a, that's a Petri dish for disease as well to be able to grow and, and that's do, really, you know, there's not going to be any weeding. That's the great part. Yeah, I, I'm all for that. How do you decide how many plants you put into that straw bale? Well, we have a great glossary in all of our books um, that kind of shows plant spacing, which is helpful. You know, if you kind of use the plant spacing that's on a seed pack or that's recommended on the tag, you're going to be pretty close. You can tighten them up a little bit more on the bale. One of the reasons is because we're going to build some type of plant support above the bales. And in my books, I talk about a, a trellis system, which is real simple. It's a fence post at the end of each row of bales. I like to put three, four, five bales in a row, end to end, and keep them so the strings are on the sides of the bale, so they keep the strings off the top of the bale. Because if they're on the top, that means the strings are also on the bottom, and they'll tend to rot mm-hmm. as they touch the soil on the ground. So keep the strings going around. It makes it really easy to plant if you shove a... Uh, trowel into that bale you can rock it back and forth to make a hole for your transplant you won't cut a string that way so we put a post at the end of each row and then we run electric fence wire back and forth between those posts and that's a great support for plants to be able to climb up um, tomatoes squash etc now one key component of this is you want to put a board uh, like a two by four between those two posts so that the posts can't bend towards each other because otherwise, every time you tighten up the wires, the posts just keep bending towards each other, and you got a real loose trellis <laughs> that way. But you... for a $3 two-by-four, you can solve that problem, and that will last for years. I've got some that are 10 years old out in my garden, and they still hold up. Now, do you put the two-by-four at the top of those posts? You could, at the top works best. Okay. Um, because the posts will still bend if you put it like if you put the two-by-four on top of the bales between mm-hmm. the posts. The, the top of the post would still bend a little bit. But if you run it between the tops of the two posts, it's really easy to do. Um, I show people how to do it, but you can make a little kerf in the 2x4 itself. And then you get these fence posts called T-posts that have a little tongue that sticks out of the, the T shape of the mm-hmm. post. When you look from the top, it looks like a letter T. You put that tongue towards each other at the end of the bales, and then that 2x4 will hang with that little kerf you cut in the edge of the 2x4 right in that tongue. Ah. So it's a real easy way to do it. People can see that if they come to our website, too. They can see exactly how to do that. Wonderful. Um, well, we've got a bunch yeah. of emails and a couple of calls, so let's start sure. talking to let's our listeners. Uh, first off, Nancy emailed us, and she's been star- straw bale gardening for three years, and she wants to expand to other plants from tomatoes, lettuce, and cucumbers. How many years can she effectively use last year's bales for planting, and what kinds of plants do do well in those bales? Also, can you recommend a variety of Hubbard or butternut squash that might not have such long vines okay well let's start at the beginning um usually people will use bales for two years a minimum two years some people will even get them a third year out of them by the time you're to the end of a third year jill these (laughs) bales will have decomposed so much that they're going to look like soil at Uh that point and then you're back to having the same issues as you had with your soil garden you don't get as good a drainage you get disease and insect problems that will harbor in the soil, the now decomposed bale, where if you start with a fresh bale, 
there's no disease or insects in there. There's no weed seeds in there. So it's like virgin soil that you're dealing with once you, decomp- once you put that bale through the conditioning process. You're planting in virgin soil, which is really nice, keeps your plants healthy, and you don't have to pull weeds. The second year, you might get a couple weeds that'll start, but, but hardly any. The problem sometimes with second-year bales is they've, they've decomposed, so they've kind of slumped down. Mm-hmm. And you gotta you gotta reconnoiter them. <laughs> and to reconnoiter them, what I like to do is wrap some chicken wire around that bale, you know, inexpensive roll of chicken wire at the garden center, and then staple the ends of the chicken wire once you've wrapped it around. Staple those onto a wooden stake, and then you twist that wooden stake, and that's like a giant clamp around the bale. It'll just squeeze the bale, and then you pound the sharp end of that stake in the ground, and that holds your your clamp. Um, and then you put another slumped bale that you have in your garden on top of that first slumped bale, and you kind of pack it down a little bit. Now, it won't stay nice and rectangular shape like your bale was last year. It'll kind of get round shaped. But trust me, this is the most beautiful planting bed for any kind of root crops, carrots, potatoes, beets. Um, you can even try onions. I don't, I don't do real well with onions to be perfectly honest, I don't have great success with onions. Down south in the United States, down in Texas and Oklahoma, oh, they love their onions and their straw bales. Hmm. So you could certainly try it. Um, sweet potatoes, absolutely love it. And you can plant early season crops, things that you normally would plant before the last frost. You know, I'm talking about um, spinach and lettuce and things like that. Uh, they'll do really well in there because Otherwise, you need to wait for those bales to cool down. Remember, the second-year bales, they're not going to heat up again, and they're not gonna have to, you don't have to wait for them to cool down. So you can plant really early. And I promise you, if you do this, you will have bigger and better plants out of the second-year bales than you even had out of the first-year bales. What I don't recommend is don't plant tomatoes in there. Don't plant squash, things that are warm season, that like warm roots. Mm, um, don't yeah. put your cucumbers in that second year bale. Put those in a first year bale because they like the heat that's coming from that that bacteria inside the bales. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. And as far as any recommendation for a variety of Hubbard or butternut squash that might not have such long uh, vines, any ideas? Yeah, you know, I just more more so than that is how to manage the vines. I just put them up on my trellis, and when the trellis is full and those vines try to go to the neighbors, I just start cutting them off. Mm-hmm. Just cut the vines off, and it'll fill in the squash that it has. Um, last year, I, I did a, a demonstration garden at the Minnesota State Fair, and we had um, butternut squash up on this cattle arched cattle panel trellis uh-huh. over the top. And you could walk underneath there, and there must have been, in two in three cattle panels, there must have been 35 great big butternut squash oh my gosh and if each one of those weighed 10 pounds i mean that's a lot of weight it is yeah to hold on to and those arched cattle panels hold it just fine uh-huh. um, and of course the, the other trellises with the fence posts and the wire would be just fine also so i would just start cutting them off if you like that variety i pick my squash more on their resistance to um insects mm-hmm. particularly squash bugs and you know pick your squash based on that rather than on um, necessarily how long the mines get. Just cut the vines off if they get too long. There you go. All right, well, let's go to the phones. We've got Paul in Madison. Um, he's got a question for us. Hi, Paul. Hey, Paul. Hi there. Um, I love strawberry gardening. I first heard about it here on Garden Talk. Um, I You mentioned uh, how you could, if you wanted, just leave the bales out for a year and they would kind of naturally season. 
Um, and that is a situation that I find myself in. My eyes were a little too big for my stomach last year, and I've had <laughs> about six or so bales just kind of sitting, not being used. Um, would I not need to season those this year if I want to use them, or would it still be a good idea to toss some fertilizer in there? Paul, if I were you, I would still begin the conditioning process. Now, you know, it's, it's a 12-day process. You might only have to do the first three applications and then check the temperature. And if your temperature inside those bales has, has spiked and you start to get some warmth in there, um, then you can just skip the last half of the process and you'll have done. Because there's definitely some conditioning that's happened inside there. But what we don't want is we don't want you to put your tomato in there and have all the leaves turn yellow because you're nitrogen starved. And that's what will happen if you go into an unseasoned bale or a bale that hasn't completely gone through the colonization process with bacteria. Um, so to avoid that, or if you did happen to do that, you put up, you plant in a bale and, you know, a week later, your plant starts to turn yellow. You know what the problem is, is it's nitrogen, that your plant is deficient in nitrogen because the bacteria are sucking the nitrogen out of the roots of your plant that you just put in the bale. And you can reverse that, but you got to quickly put some soluble fertilizer on it, something that has nitrogen. If you're organic, that'd be like fish emulsion. If you're not organic, it'd be the magic blue water, like miracle Grow or something like that. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, and good luck with that. Mark and Euglaris emailed us. They, they tried three bales last summer and planted two tomato plants per bale. They grew so well and were so prolific that they blew over in the wind. He'd recommend, yeah, he'd recommend using only uh, uh, determinant tomatoes um, and to put the bales in some structure to keep them from falling over. Got some comments about that, Joel? Yeah, tr I would suggest you try those cattle panel trellises. Those work so well, and they're so strong. Um, but if you do the fence posts and the wire like we recommend, I'll tell you, I've had some big giant tomatoes up there, you know, completely fill the whole trellis, and even in strong wind, and they're they're fine. I mean, you're talking about a seven and a half foot tall fence post that's pounded a foot and a half in the ground, so it's it's very solid. Um, you know, I think I think I could climb up there, and I don't think it would pull the trellis down. So they're pretty tough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if you use a tomato, a lot of times people will buy for for traditional gardening, they buy the tomato cages. You know, the round circle, sure. three-dimensional cage. If you put a tomato cage on top of a bale, you got a precarious situation. <laughs> so you better find a post in the ground right next to that and wire it up good or it's easily going to tip over. Mm -hmm. I also kind of, a little bit, I kind of caution people away from tomato cages because that gives you a three-dimensional, um, and then there's an inside to that cage, and there's not a lot of airflow inside there. And one of the things tomato leaves like is airflow because it keeps the leaves dry. And remember, wet leaves spread disease. <laughs> so we want to keep those leaves as dry as we can, even after rainfall or whatever. And if you spread them out on a trellis in two dimensions, height and length, right, Mm -hmm. It's much better than having a big round circle with all these leaves that you can't get to on the inside. Sure, that um, makes sense. And, and prune your tomatoes. You know, I prune the bottom 18, 20 inches. I prune all the leaves off of my tomatoes, up 18 inches off the bale. It just helps with better air circulation, um, and you get better results mm -hmm. from my experience. Now, people will argue the other way. You don't get as much production because you've got the leaves off, but... Um, I think you, you still do because you keep the leaves that are there much healthier. Okay. Um, Ellen in Cedarburg, what's your question? Hi. Uh, 
I um, I share a, a, a concrete, a large uh, concrete porch with some other tenants in the building, and so my roommate is um, very against me doing straw bale gardening because he thinks it's going to be create a mess. Uh, and I just uh, that I'm wondering if if that's true or if I can just go right ahead and get my straw bales. It'll be a lot less messy than you anticipate. However, what you might want to consider is doing something that will make sort of the the bale, the sides of the bales, a little more acceptable for your neighbors. When, one of the things you can do is you can plant flowers right in the sides of the bales. So you could take your shovel handle and punch a hole in the side and put a impatient plant or a petunia right in the side of that bale. And when it fills in, it's like it's the, the tomatoes are growing out of bales and around the edge is a big skirt of colorful flowers around the outside. That's really nice. There are also wooden bale size wooden containers that you could buy to put it in. Um, they also make these really nifty little plastic fencing. I mean, they're nothing fancy. They're only, you know, 20 inches tall or so. And they hook together end to end, but you'll find them at the big box stores. And you could put these little plastic fencing around there. It looks like a little picket fence around your bales. And that would make it look like a planter. Um, you know, it's a lot less expensive than buying or building a whole planter for these bales to go in. Um, and it makes it makes them real portable as well. And you know what? Worst case scenario is I always tell people if somebody comes after you and they don't like it and they, you know, they're throwing a fit, it's not that big of a deal. You're out a $5 bale and a pack of seeds, you know, throw in the dumpster and, you know, you know, there's no use arguing over it at that point. Some people love how it looks. Some people don't like how it looks. My mother was never a fan of how the straw bale garden looked, but that's okay. She loved all the produce that it, that it produced, but she didn't like how it looked. And, and I started putting flowers in the sides, at least to the bales that she could see from her inside of her house. And then she was, it was at least acceptable. But, you know, so it, it, you can be the biggest fan and still not love how it looks. And that's okay. Um, now, she had mentioned that there, she's going to have this on concrete. Do you mm-hmm. suggest putting the bale directly on the concrete, or should there be something in between? Concrete, you can put it right on the top, because when you do remove the bale eventually, it'll easily wash right off. I okay. mean, it might be used a little brush, but it'll clean right up. However, if you're doing this on a wood surface like your deck, I get this question a lot, don't put the bale right on the wood of your deck, unless you have one of those decks with the fancy plastic wood, then that's probably okay. But on regular wood, because it will hold moisture and your your paint or your stain will come off and your boards will start to rot, so it's not a good idea. I would put a, a rubber mat of some kind down, and I'll tell you what works really well, are stall mats mm-hmm. for livestock, like for horses or, or whatever that that go on top of concrete, but it's to, you know, cushion their feet mm-hmm. and it's real thick heavy matting that stuff works really well i've also seen people use a plastic swimming pool that they bought for five dollars <laughs> at walmart and they cut the sides off so just a little lip comes up on the edge and you just take your knife and cut the sides off and you can't even see really that it's a swimming pool under there but it works really good because it has waffling underneath so it keeps the the deck dry underneath and you can kind of fit two bales on there if you you know kind of arrange them mm-hmm. on a 
on okay. a four-foot-wide swimming pool. So, yeah. All right, great. Um, Barbara emailed us. She tried straw bale gardening a year ago, and she said it was really nice uh, for being weed-free, less pets, etc. However, this form of gardening is quite water-intensive, and she went away for just a weekend, mm-hmm. and the plants were quite parched. And with the current state of planet with drought so prevalent, prevalent, uh, she decided it's not for her. What do you have to say about that? Sometimes people overwater, and it looks like it gives them the symptoms of underwatering. Now, here's what happens. You go out, you start watering your straw bales, and I'll get these calls from people, and they'll say, I've been watering my garden every morning for two hours, oh. and all my plants are wilting by afternoon. And the reason that happens is because when you water for a long duration, once you've saturated the bale, which takes maybe a gallon, gallon and a half of water to get the bale resaturated from what it was yesterday, as soon as it's resaturated, all the extra water you're putting on for an hour and 55 minutes is running through and out the bottom of the bale. And what that does is it washes the little tiny silt soil particles that are forming inside the bale, washes those out the bottom. It literally erodes them out of the bale and it washes them off of the roots of the plants. So now by afternoon, your plants have all the dirt, all the, the newly forming soil particles inside that bale, have them washed off their roots. By afternoon, they start to wilt because they have no ability to absorb moisture. There's no soil left around the roots. And so tomorrow, they think, oh, my plants wilted in the afternoon. Today, I'm going to water for two and a half hours instead of two hours. And they just exacerbate. The problem gets worse. My inclination would be that if she has a drip system or a soaker hose to really reduce the length of time that she's watering, reduce it to just a few minutes. You just want to put on enough water that each bale is getting one gallon. It doesn't take very long. If a normal spigot gives you two gallons a minute, you got five bales, you only need two and a half minutes of watering mm-hmm. to, to get those bales resaturated. But if you water for 10 minutes, now it's going gonna, it's gonna to flush nutrients. It's going to leach out um, soil out of those bales, the bales will collapse a lot quicker and they'll tend to, your plants will tend to dry up a lot easier. So it's actually the opposite of what you might think. If you take a dry bale of straw, normal dry bale of straw, it will absorb five to seven gallons of water inside that bale, completely absorb it and hold on to that water. So a bale on the inside is not going to get dry quickly at all. Mm-hmm. Depends on the outside, it'll feel crusty and a little bit dry on the outside, but the inside of that bale is going to be holding on to moisture. It's just making sure that you don't flush the bale or leach the bale, particularly watering for too long a period of time. So water frequently, but for shorter duration, only a few minutes each time. And I've, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. And it's usually the, exactly the opposite of what you'd think. They're watering too much instead of not enough, but it feels like they're not watering enough. Okay. Well, let's go back to the phone. Uh, Linda in Eau Claire. Hi, Linda. Hello. This is Linda. Mm-hmm. Hi, Linda. Uh, I have a hello. I have a comment and a question, if I may. Okay. First of all, I just want to say. Thank you, Joel, for you're the founder of this process, are you not? Yes. And it's such a wonderful um, method uh, for those of us who can't get down on the ground. Um, And it's so prolific 
those plants love that environment so much. What I love is measuring our soil temperature in the bales in early spring and then the soil temperature in the regular garden. (laughs) (laughs) And And it's 80, 90 degrees or so in the straw bales and it's 60 degrees in the, but that's a little ego problem that I have. And in the meantime, the question that I have is about the soil or the nutritional profile of using lawn fertilizer as a conditioning. Because what I'm interested in and feel the need for is uh, composting of neighborhood and household scraps so that there's a wide diversity in the uh, profile of micronutrients that get to be incorporated in the vegetables. And I wondered if you have an idea about the veg- the nutritional profile if you used to use lawn fertilizer. Well, if you certainly if you mix um, your food scraps and things like that when you're making the bale, you know, if you're doing a homemade bale, that would be wonderful because you could get them inside. But it you could compost, you could use that compost if it's, a, if it's well composted. Uh, if you did a good job so there's no weed seeds that are going to sprout, you could use that on the surface of the bales as your planting bed for seeds and things like that. Um, here's, I want to go back to the beginning here. Let's do a real quick biology. You probably learned this back in second or third grade, but sometimes people forget. Okay, farmer takes a seed, plants it out in his field. This is a wheat seed, okay? That wheat seed sprouts a root and a leaf, and it starts to grow. It absorbs all kinds of nutrients from the soil, micronutrients and macronutrients, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, as well as molybdenum, molybdenum, zinc, calcium, iron, manganese, all these micronutrients. And up comes a wheat plant. So we harvest the seeds, those become wheaties, and then the farmer bales up the stalk, and that becomes part of the bale, our wheat bale that we just bought and we're now going to use for gardening. Those nutrient molecules that were absorbed in the field, they don't disappear. They're still there. They're just inside the leaves and the stalks and the stems of this wheat plant. Now, in order for them to become available, that plant has to go through decomposition, where it breaks down the leaf into cells and those cells into molecules. And now inside that bale, you have free-floating ions and cations of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, as well as all those micronutrients that it took to form the wheat plant. So there are lots of micronutrients that are going to be available in the bale, not from the fertilizer we put on. Remember, the fertilizer that we're adding is just to fire up the bacteria to get the bacteria to decompose the straw. The real nutrients are coming from the decomposing straw. That's what's supplying the majority of our nutrients, especially our micronutrients. Um, And However, if you were able to mix a bunch of plants together instead of just wheat, because wheat, of course, is going to have a particular profile of nutrients that it takes to grow a wheat plant. They might not not be the same nutrients that it takes to grow a tomato. So you may be lacking some kind of a micronutrient inside that bale. I haven't found any yet, but there may be some for a particular crop that you might be missing. And by adding, like you're talking about some type of a nutrient additive that has lots of micronutrients in it that might be beneficial depending on what the crop is now tomatoes are pretty simple plant as are peppers and cucumbers they don't take a lot of unusual micronutrients but you might find something someday that is lacking um, a particular nutrient and that might be beneficial 
Okay. Well, remember, your micronutrients are going to come from broken down bales rather than what you're adding. All right. Thank you, Linda, for that question. Our guest on Garden Talk today is Joel Karsten. He's the founder of Straw Bale Gardening and the author of a number of books on the topic. Join in with your questions at 800-642-1234 or send an email to ideas at wpr.org. listening to Garden Talk on the Larry Mueller Show. I'm Jill Nadeau. Join us on Monday at 11 when tech expert Beth D'Angelo will be with us to talk about protecting your device against theft. That's Monday right here on the Ideas Network. And just a reminder that uh, Larry and I and Brian Huddleston and Lisa Johnson will be at the Garden Expo in Madison um, on Saturday from 9.30 to 10.30. We'd love for you to stop by and say hi and we'll answer questions. So I hope you can join us there. And uh, Joel, let's go back to um, an email we got Ed in Northern Illinois emailed us and he conditioned his bales last year with urea which is 4600 and he says he followed your conditioning process but all of his vegetables they were peppers kohlrabi eggplants and squash failed to to thrive or produce anything at harvest the tomatoes didn't seem to mind he's wondering if his problem was that the nitrogen source was too strong and the uh, urea burned the roots what should he use this year well i would have you know urea is fine but you need to cut back on how much you use it's because it's 46 percent. we kind of create the recipe for the process around using a 25% or 24% nitrogen. So if you use something that's double that, you'd need about half as much. So that's probably could be one of the reasons. I would recommend you try Bale Buster. I mean, I know it's my product. We developed it, you know, but we created it specifically for this. And what's helpful about it is the bacteria and the fungi spores that we put in it help your bales sort of get a jump start. Otherwise, they need to absorb bacteria from the soil, there's going to be some bacteria already in a bale, but the subtilis, the bacillus subtilis, which is really a good decomposer, may not be present in large volumes inside your bale. So by using our product, you can get that introduced very quickly. And then we have nitrogen, of course, um, is the powerhouse for feeding those bacteria to get that um, decomposition to accelerate. And then we also put a little bit of phosphorus and potassium in there just to carry the plants until that bale begins its or gets to the point in decomposition where the phosphorus and potassium that was in the straw becomes available for other plants. So I would try that if I were him. Um, you can buy it anywhere. You can buy it on Amazon or on our website or okay. even Walmart. Walmart.com even carries it. So. Uh, just curious with the um, the blood in there, are you going to cause problems with maybe bugs or flies or is it going to smell? <laughs> yeah, it can smell a little bit, Joe. I oh. even put a warning on when people buy it. I say, you know, it could be a little stinky, just so you know in advance. Um, so that is the downside of doing it organically is you get a little smell. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't last for very long. But it's kind of part of if you want to get a highly effective source of nitrogen, Animal blood is really high in nitrogen. It's it's the highest form you're going to find. Uh, bat guano apparently has really high nitrogen in it, but there's also other problems that come with um, bat guano, and it's super expensive. You think uh, 
blood meal is expensive. Fat guano is really expensive. And there are some poultry manures. You know, I'm I'm partial. If you had to choose one, chicken manure, I guess. You know, fresh the. the the fresh chicken manure that you get from a manure pile that's just chicken manure, no bedding with it, and then have that compost for 12 weeks or so, but under a tarp so that there's no rain on that chicken manure. And that will maintain a higher percentage of nitrogen. Usually you get above 6% in that kind of a, of a composted chicken manure pile, um, and you could get by using that. I would avoid using any other kinds of manure, however. Not from the stinky standpoint. If manure is well composted, it should smell like soil anyway. It's not really going to smell a lot like manure anymore at that point. Um, there's another product made in Wisconsin, Malorganite. Many of my gardeners will use that, and they're believers in that. You know, it's kind okay. of it's kind of personal choice, but uh, that is another product that if people know where that's sourced from, sometimes they don't like it, but... Um, okay. You know. Well, yeah, that's that's a lot of options there. Um, let's go yep. to Jan in Viroqua. She has a question for you. Go ahead, Jan. Hi, Joel. Hi, Joel. Hello. Uh, I grew beautiful zucchini in Iowa. And in my beautiful garden here that does well with most everything, I have had several complete failures with zucchini. I've done it in the ground. I've done it on a mound. And I've done it in a half barrel. So I'm wondering, I would like to try it in straw bale this year. And I'm wondering if you have any special advice about how to do it. And um, I just saw online, I Googled zucchini and straw bale. And a picture came up of a square um, with bales around the outside and... Um, the hole that was left in the middle was filled with compost. And I was thinking that would be a gorgeous way to have my chard and my radishes and my carrots around the outside with the zucchini in the middle. I'm wondering if I do that, if you think that would be okay, what I should fill the hole with. It could be I could just bust down another bale or two of straw and stuff it in there and condition it. But I'd like your advice on that. Okay, a couple things. First of all, zucchini love straw bales. Um, absolutely love it. Um, so you, any variety, you're going to have success with, I assure you. Here's the thing. You're going to plant it in the top of the bale, like you normally would a squash, in the middle of the top. And within three or four weeks, it's going to have gotten so big it'll tip sideways. It always happens. So don't be surprised when that happens. It tips sideways, and the zucchini will actually kind of grow out the side of the bale. Um four or five feet wide at least off the side of the bale and very prolific at the, to the point where I can't get rid of zucchini anymore. I planted three <laughs> plants, I think, last year, and it's like even where my wife works, they wouldn't take zucchini anymore. She's got 400 <laughs> people in her office, and they didn't want any more zucchini. Um, but when you talk about making that square, I know that picture. It's in my head. I know. I think it's HGTV that has that picture. But that picture is not – what they're showing is not really straw bale gardening because – it's it's featuring the center, which is filled, I, I guess, I assume, with just soil, and then bales around the outside. That's just kind of like making a raised bed, using bales as the outside for support, and then putting soil in the middle. Here's what happens if you get too wide. If you're if you tried to do this, Jan, your middle of that bed is going to be your zucchini, and the outside is going to be your other plants on the bales. 
but you don't get good air circulation through there, and you don't you get start to get crop shading really bad um, because the plants have to be too tight together. From an efficiency standpoint, you'd be much better off to plant to put a row of bales and then another row of bales because now you can plant the tops of the bales. You can also remember plant the sides of the bales. So anything that you're doing from a plug, um, kale, you know, anything that you buy in a little tray with a pl- with the plugs, the um, transplants can go in the sides of the bale. You can't really put a seed in the side because it wants to grow up. So, it, you know, it doesn't want to grow out. It wants to grow up. But any plugs that are already started, I'm talking about herbs, can all go in the sides of the bales. And then your things you're planting from seed, of course, are going to have to go in the top of the bale. And your big transplants like tomatoes and and you know, things that are going to get big and that you want to get planted as early as you can, put those in the tops of the bales. But don't crowd them together. You know, a hybrid tomato, you want one on a bale, and then you put other things around it, but just one on a bale. Um, same thing with zucchini. Put one zucchini on a bale. What I do with a zucchini, I also plant um, green beans with zucchini. I know this sounds weird, but the green beans grow up. Zucchini grows out. So the leaves will cover up the bottom of the bean plant, but who cares? All the production is up at the top anyway. So I do those two in combination. They work really well for me. Okay, thanks, Jan, for that call. Um, so just a quick question before we have to break for news, Joel. Um, Tim called. He couldn't stay with us, but he wants to know which plants would grow best in a straw bale in a shaded area. Anything with really big leaves. The bigger the leaf, the more shade it can tolerate, typically. So you might think about what plants... Uh, what uh, zucchini comes to mind right away, but what plants have really big leaves in a vegetable garden, those are going to do the best. Things with tiny leaves, potatoes, tomatoes, you know, carrots, things like that, you, you really need to have more sun, at least six hours, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And one more quick one. Emily and Elgin emailed us. They have never done this before, but she wants to know if she can put the straw bales right on top of the garden that she already has. Of course, sure. <laughs> I could yeah. even answer that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And put wood chips down between the rows of bales, and you won't get weeds. You got to fight that are coming up from your normal garden. Mm-hmm. You know, put a, put your rows of bales down. Put six inches of wood chips in between there from the from the local arborist for free. Just dump a whole truckload of them down the middle. They decompose over time. You might need to fresh them up. You know, every couple of years, but. Um, you don't get any weeds at all to deal with that way. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you. Uh, we've been talking with Joel Karsten, and uh, he's the founder of Straw Bale Gardening. Joel's traveled across the world introducing the method and has written a number of best-selling books um, on the topic. Um, you can check things out on his website. What's your website, Joel? Straw Bale Garden Club. Dot com, but oh. you don't have to be a member. You just anybody can visit. Anybody can visit, and you also are out yep. there in social media too, correct? We're everywhere: Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> if you if you Google Strawbell Gardening, I guarantee you'll find me. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. And just a reminder that um, Larry and I, and Lisa Johnson and Brian Huddleston will be at the PBS Wisconsin Garden Expo this weekend in Madison. We're doing a presentation from 9:30 to 10:30 in one of those rooms off to the side. You'll have to check out the flyers you get when you get there. So we'd love it if you could join us. We're always like to talk to people and I think we have some giveaways too so but stay with us because there's always more to come right here on the ideas network
we're talking about straw bale gardening today. Glad to have you with us on the Ideas Network. I'm Jill Nadeau. Our guest is Joel Karsten, the founder of Straw Bale Gardening. He's traveled across the world introducing the method and has written a number of best-selling books on the topic. Do you have questions about using straw bale garden in your garden? Have you tried it but have not gotten good results? Well, tell us about it. I'm sure Joel can help. Give us a call, 800-642-1234, or you can send us an email, and that address is ideas at wpr.org. And and Joel, before we uh, go back to emails and such, um, you know, I just mentioned in your intro that you do, you traveled across the world. Have you been doing some of that lately? I know that, you know, the pandemic kind of shut that down for you, but what's happening on that front? Joel, are you with us? Sorry about that. I had my mute button on. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> or Jill, I'm sorry. Um, yes, we have. <laughs> sorry about that. We have. Uh, we got a lot of people that we work with now by Zoom because because of COVID, people all around the world now are more more eager to do things via remote. So we do a lot of that. But I have been to Cambodia. Um, I spent a long time there working with very rural Cambodia. Long. Uh, you know, two hours outside of Phnom Penh. Um, and the, it's very valuable straw bale gardening for them. Um, and there's, I did a whole TED Talk on this, if you know what TED Talks are. Sure. Um, and also in the Philippines, uh, we got a big project, several big projects in the Philippines as well, where food insecurity is a really big deal um, to people there. And, you know, they, they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the tools. They don't own any land. Um, but yet they can grow a straw bale garden because it doesn't require any land. You can actually move the bales around if you absolutely needed to. Even when plants are coming out of them, you can still move them. Um, you don't need any tools to do straw bale gardening. And you don't really need any capital. You can make your own bales and you can supply your own sources of nitrogen um, to be able to do that. Natural nitrogen that um, that they use a lot in in Asia for fertilizer on on plants, I'm talking about urine, mm-hmm. not, not feces, but urine has, you know, 14%, 12% nitrogen, kind of depends on your diet. Um, and it's sterile, and it works really well for this for this decomposition process of the bales. Um, and, you know, it really changes people's lives. You can imagine living in an area where you get monsoon rains for two months, and you can't grow anything in the soil because everything gets root rot. So unless you own a greenhouse, which would be, you'd have to be wealthy in Cambodia to own a greenhouse, um, it's very hard to grow anything during the monsoon season. And then the drought season comes for another two months. So now you don't have any source of water, and it's 110 degrees everywhere. So you can't grow anything for that two months either. So you get four months strung together where these poor young children have no source of fresh vegetables. And that really does a job on brain development. And they've lived this way for centuries, you know, in this part of the world. And here we come along, and we teach them how they can dig a hole in the ground and make a big mound of soil. And then they take the straw from their rice patties and they make homemade bales. They put them on top of the mound and then they plant vegetables even during the monsoon season in these bales. But yet when it rains, that rain quickly, gravity carries the rain through and out of the bale and lets air back in so you don't get root rot. So they can grow vegetables even during the monsoon season up on top of these mounds in their straw bale gardens. And then when the dry season comes, they got this big hole in the ground right next to the garden. They can put a pail in there and they can get water out of that that hole to keep their gardens 
wet and to water their gardens. You can't drink that water, of course, but they can use it to water their gardens so they can grow during the dry season as well. Um, so it's like changing lives. We went from zero people that had ever heard of straw gardening in Cambodia when we first got there. We've been working with an NGO there called Akenden, Cambodia. And now there's over 10,000 farmers that are doing straw gardening um, to different levels. You know, we do a lot of schools, middle schools. We do demo gardens over there. I, I shouldn't say we. I use the, the <laughs> we, but what I really mean is my NGO over there does demo gardens at middle schools because – a lot of kids don't go to high school, but they go to middle school. Then they go home and teach their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, sometimes their great-great-grandparents, who all still live on the same two-and-a-half-acre farm that they were born on, you know, 70, 80 years ago. And they teach them. These little middle schoolers teach them this method, and it really it really changes lives, especially when that first two years of life when, when kids need those vegetables and minerals and they can't go four months they don't have enough body fat to to make it through that four months it really changes their life Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a big one and in in philippines as well is really a big one and what about here in the united states joel are you doing anything in like maybe cities that really are kind of in the same situation where there's just no fresh vegetables to be found Yes, and it's in a matter of fact. Next weekend, I'm going to Kansas City. Um, I'm working with the Kansas City Community Gardening, and there's a guy who has his garden's called Righteous Roots, and he's setting up a demo that he then you can get other community garden organizers to come and see how this process works. Um, you know, really, people don't believe it till they see it. You know, unless they run across you on Facebook. Even you can see pictures of beautiful gardens, and sometimes you don't believe it until you actually do it or see it firsthand yourself, and then that's how you can convince people. Um, so setting up demo gardens is really important. So we're sponsoring a demo garden at this community garden, and then he'll bring people in to see how it all works. And that's a great way to spread you know, to these people who, I don't know if you have been grocery shopping lately, but vegetables (laughs) are so darn expensive. Um, To get good fresh vegetables in the middle of summer when all you need is a $5 bale and, you know, a water hose, you don't need fancy tools and everything else. Um, It really does change people's minds about how easy it is to have a garden. Um, I always say, if you're going to have BLTs all summer, you need to provide your own L's and T's. (laughs) And when someone finds bacon seeds, let me know, because I'll take a few packs of them. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's go to the phone. We have Ed in McFarland with a question. Hi, Ed. Uh, Hello. Um, So, uh, question is, does the resulting vegetables grown in a straw bale situation have the same nutrient content as if they're grown in some good, healthy soil? Is there any analysis to know that? Yeah, we do, we've done tons of, like, bricks testing, nutrient analysis. What What's missing here is we are growing in very healthy, nutritious soil. The straw becomes soil. All black soil, you walk around, you find the most nutritious, fertile black loam you can ever find out in the middle of a cornfield somewhere. Where did that black loam come from? It came from decomposed organic matter. All we're doing is catching that decomposed organic matter before it looks completely decomposed like soil looks, you know, like a, like a field would look. But the biology of it is very similar inside that bale. You have free float, floating cations and anions. Those are negative and positively charged ions of nutrient molecules. That really defines what a growing media is. 
Um, and all those same nutrient molecules are going to be present inside of a bale. Thus, you get the same tomato. tastes exactly the same. Carrots still taste like carrots, and, you know, potatoes taste like potatoes. You know, you really can't tell the difference at all, except you didn't have to pull weeds, and, you know, you get the advantage when you when you pick your potatoes. You don't have to dig in the ground. You just kick the bale over, and you pick up a bushel of potatoes out of each bale. <laughs> so it makes it really easy. Okay, thanks, Ed. Appreciate that call. Um, Harvey called. He couldn't stay with us, but he's bought the wires that they use for concrete reinforcement, yep. and it's very sturdy wire and would be a, would be really good for straw bale gardening. Harvey, great minds think alike. I have a whole <laughs> thing about that in one of my books about using those concrete reinforcing wires. And you're right. They work really well. They're inexpensive. But if you put that on top of a bale, you still need to drive a post in the ground to support it. Sure. Um, they're, they're big and they're, they're nice and they're inexpensive to build, but, but they're tippy if you put them on top of a bale. Okay. Um, another listener emailed, they tried straw bales once, conditioned with malorganite, um, and they said that the order was embarrassingly intense. Um, would regular fertilizer be less smelly? Yeah, I mean, you got to consider, you know, the source of your fertilizer. Sure. So, um, you know, if it, if you get it wet, especially, malorganite tends to have a bit of a smell. However, I will argue we did it a test. This is, I don't know, five or six years ago. We did this huge garden at a Montessori school and we tested like 15, 20 different kinds of fertilizer, organic versions and traditional versions on the same bales using the same amount of water, all the other things being the same except the fertilizer. And our number one performing organic fertilizer may have even been the best performing overall was malorganite. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, you know, you can read the bag before you use it because it does say on there, you know, sure. what it's made from. Mm-hmm. And most people in Wisconsin already know. So. Yes, <laughs> we do. Um, it's recycling. Uh, Stephen yeah. Appleton has a question for you. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Yeah. I got a question about when I add extra bales on top. Like after a year or two years, would I yeah. have to condition them somehow or... To add as long extra. as you're using, yeah, Steve. As long as you're adding a second slumped bale, a second previously used bale on top, you don't need to condition it. But if you added a new bale, then you need to condition it. Anytime you have fresh organic matter like that fresh straw, that needs to be colonized by bacteria before you plant in it. Otherwise, it's going to eat your plants as a source of nitrogen. Um, it's just part of Mother Nature's process. Uh, it's kind of like people will ask me, "Can I put?" Can I put wood chips or, you know, especially sawdust around my plants to keep the weeds down? And I say, if you try that, your plants are going to turn yellow almost instantly. Why does that happen? It happens because that sawdust is undecomposed. It's uncolonized by bacteria. And it will suck nitrogen right out of the soil in order to feed bacteria to to colonize that sawdust. And it'll starve your plants for nitrogen. So it'll turn all your plants yellow if you use sawdust around your plants in the garden. Kind of the same thing as using a fresh bale. Fresh bale needs to go through that process. But a a used bale, you might want to add a little bit of fertilizer on top just to replace some of the nitrogen that's probably lost over the winter due to leaching. You know, it gets rained and snowed on the bale. Some of that nitrogen is very soluble and it'll wash out. So maybe a cup of nitrogen on top of that planting bed just to replace some of that lost nitrogen. But all the micronutrients are going to be fixed in there. Plenty of phosphorus and potassium and micronutrients, just the soluble ones. 
um, the big one being nitrogen, of course. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Um, Lynn emailed us. It's a little off straw bale gardening, but she said she can't find a chart or a list of when to start flower seeds, um, you know, like geraniums. She said that that could be started now because they take a little bit longer to grow. Um, Do you have any idea of where she could go? She's had no luck online either. Oh, boy. Um, I see them in my Facebook feed like, 50 a day right now. (laughs) There's a really good, what is the name of that blog? There's a blog that Nikki Jabour runs. Oh, sure. And they have really good, that would be Wisconsin, um, you know, relevant to Wisconsin. What is the name of her blog? Do you remember? Oh, gosh, she was just on with us too. And I I can't remember. Um, But if you just Google her, um, just Nikki Jabour, J-A-U- B-B-O-U-R. That's it, B-B-O-U-R. Yeah. Um, she and, like, Jessica Walser, I think, have a really good blog out there with all kinds of information. It's called it's called SavvyGardening.com. I looked while I was just on here. Thank you. That is correct. I remember that now. Oh, she's very knowledgeable. And and she doesn't, you know, she's in Canada, so she understands the climate, and you're going to get accurate information. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't there, like, a formula? You just look at the seed packet, and it'll tell you how long it takes to germinate. Eight, and you have to figure out well when's the last day of frost and you know all that kind yep. of stuff. So you count back, you know, it's fr- that date is changing for crying out loud. It's, oh, been, it's, it's been March weather here for the last month. So yeah, I don't know. fifty yesterday, <laughs> and and tornadoes yeah. unfortunately here. So Ugh. yeah, it's a it's a different world these days. Um, Laura emailed us now. She purchased your book a few years ago and has done straw bale gardening now for a few years. Her question is: Can she use the old bales to plant potatoes in? And do you continue to add fertilizer to those old bales? Oh my goodness! Yes, she can use the old bales for potatoes. That's what I do every year. Um, is use my last year's bales to pick the ones that are a couple that are in the best shape and just plant right into them. Um, you don't need to add any fertilizer at all. Uh, potatoes don't take, believe it or not, don't take a lot of fertility, and they don't really even require much watering. You know, those bales, if they get saturated in this in this uh, rain, that's going to be probably enough moisture for those <laughs> second-year potato bales. So they are so simple. Once people learn how to do this, plant in those older bales, potatoes, you literally takes you five seconds to plant the bale. You shove three potatoes in there, and one on each end and one in the middle, and then you come back in the fall and you harvest. <laughs> and that's really all there is to it. I like There's that. No, no weeding, no fertilizing, no watering. It's so simple. Jill, how do you store your potatoes? I take them out of the bale and I don't wash them. You know, it's the thing people take a hose and they wash all their potatoes off, especially if you dug them out of the ground because they got dirt all over them. These are going to come out nice and clean. But don't wash them. You don't want to wash them. There's, there's some kind of a magical coating around those potatoes when they come out of the ground or out of the bale that helps preserve them. So if there's big chunks of soil on there, you want to knock that off or big chunks of whatever on it. You want to knock that off. But don't wash them. Let them dry out just for, until the peelings are good and dry. And then especially the big ones, the small ones, you kind of want to use those first. At least that's what I do. Um, so I put those in a bucket, try to use those right away. But any big ones I have that are in good shape, um, I wrap them with a little bit of newspaper or just brown packing paper and put them in trays so that they're not touching each other. And they will easily store until June of the next year without any trouble. Same way I do my squash, um, almost any crop that I'm going to preserve like that. that they're, they're, you know, as long as you don't wash them off, they get that natural coating on. Okay. And is that, do you store in like a cool, dark area? 
Yeah, in yeah, cool dark corner. I have like a room that doesn't have any heat in it uh, mm-hmm. in the basement. It stays about fifty-five degrees usually, pretty year, pretty much year round. Okay, um, we've got a call from uh, Turley in Oconomowoc. Hi, Turley. Hi. I tried your bale, straw bale gardening a couple of years, three years ago, and for three years I tried it, and I have had big trouble with mice intrusion and nibbling on all the plants. You know, they don't eat a whole thing. They just take a bite or two out of each thing. <laughs> yes. How do you mouse-proof you... the... Uh... Okay. Well, there's a couple things. Are you sure it's mice? And that, have you seen them? Because it could be chipmunks and squirrels. They do that very commonly. They'll come and they'll bite two bites out of the bottom of your tomato. The reason they're doing that is because they want to get the juice that drips out because it's a source of moisture, water. And you can solve that by just having a bird bath somewhere in your garden that they can drink out of, keep the water fresh in there, and they'll stop biting your tomatoes because it's a lot easier. If you have mice, it's probably because your bales are not consistently moist enough. So you want to water more frequently for, for less period of time. So keep the Keep the dosage low, but the frequency high. So water more often. It'll keep the bales more evenly wet. And there's nothing a mouse hates worse than a wet bale because they want to make a nest and have babies, right? And if the bale's soaking wet, it's like you went to a hotel and the roof is leaking on you. You're going to move out right away. Um, same thing with a mouse. He's not going to want to stick around if there's good moisture level in that bale. Uh, so you might need to reduce the dosage, but increase the frequency of how often you water. So you're watering it every day or a couple times a day during the heat of summer. Um, you know, dry bales stored in the garage over winter, mice are going to move in. That's like making a hotel for them. Then when you get them out in your garden, you want to soak those bales really well. Make sure that the mice know this is not a place for them. Um, and then just keeping them moist after that. If they happen to be moles or voles coming up from underneath the ground, that can look like mice. If you don't see them, you, you wouldn't be able to tell really the difference. But if you have moles or voles already in your lawn and you're going to put bales on top of that, put down some chicken or some um, hardware cloth, the real tiny square hole hardware cloth wire. Unroll a spool of that and just put your bales on top of that because they like to come up through the bottom of the bale, and they'll, they'll go after your potatoes as well, um, voles will. So a little hardware cloth wire on the ground, and it makes the cleanup process of the bales real easy. You carry like a sled. You can use that wire to pull your bales over to your compost bin or to reconnoiter them or whatever. Okay. Thank you very much, Charlie. Uh, Karen yep. from Bailey's Harbor emailed us. She struggles every year to find straw bales. She said local farmers mm-hmm. create those great big round circular bales. And uh, she said the small ones uh, used for gardens are just not available. Big box stores often sell them for decor. Um where do you recommend looking for straw bales and what questions should she ask about treatments or content when she is looking for them? And also, are there organic bales? Well, there's lots of organic bread. So that means there has to be lots of organic (laughs) wheat. So that means there has to be lots of organic straw. It's just that think about a farmer who's going to sell his straw doesn't think to say this is organic straw because straw is normally in agriculture is used for bedding for livestock. And people don't care if it, if it is or it isn't. Um, but you'd be really surprised how much is available out there. There's a lot of people that, that are growing organic, a lot of farmers that are growing it organically because they get a lot better price for it um, at market when they can sell it as organic. Um, so you'll find it out there. I use Facebook Marketplace um, 
it's a great place to find. That's where that's where farmers advertise now. Mm-hmm. It used to be the classified section of the newspaper. But I'll tell you where you can get a long ways, and that is to buy a dozen donuts and <laughs> take a trip over to your local co-op where the farmers sell their grain and go in there with a dozen donuts and have a chat with the guys behind the counter, and they will point you in the direction of a farmer that has a barn load of bales that you can buy. The I... farmer that doesn't need to sell them, doesn't really, you know, know what to do with them, whatever. And it's a great source. You can get a long ways with a dozen donuts. <laughs> I like that. That's very tricky, Joel. You apparently have used that before. Yep. <laughs> um, now, I mentioned earlier that you don't necessarily have to have straw. You can use hay. Do you have to be yep. careful that the hay is of good quality? Because I would be concerned about seeds being in there for weeds. Yeah, you know, if if it kind of depends on where the hay is coming from. If it's Ditch hay, you know, just baled grass sure. that farmers will bale out of the ditch. Um, as long as they're baling it twice a year, they're usually cutting it early enough in the summer that weed seeds haven't had a chance to mature yet. So there may be weed seeds in there, but they're not mature enough. If you waited and left that grow, that ditch grow all summer, now you got all these thistles that have the white fluff on them and you're baling those up, you're going to get all kinds of weeds out of sure. that. But if they cut them midsummer and they cut them again in the fall, Usually their seeds aren't mature enough, and that's what they shoot for. All right. Well, thank you again, Joel, for being with us. It's always so informative, and we can't wait to have you back again next year. I look forward to it already, Jill. All right. Thanks, Jill. Take care. We've been talking with Jill Karsten. He is the father of the straw bale gardening method. He's also the author of a number of best-selling books on the topic. Coming up next week on Garden Talk, Mark Dwyer will be with us, so make sure you tune in. I'm Jill Nadeau. Thanks for listening to the Ideas Network. Stay well and enjoy your weekend.